0: When I was eight years old, more or less eight years old, I remember uh, living in Mexico City. We used to go to the subway, uh, or the metro, and um, I remember my mom and my siblings being waiting for the next car to come. And, uh, and it was about noon, so it's peak hour, you know, so uh, people coming from everywhere and going everywhere and going in and out, and so it was a little crazy. A lot, a lot of people. Uh, we have like about 22 million or more people in Mexico City, so you can imagine just like just going crazy. So my mom, while she's seeing that, uh, we're ready to to go on board on uh, into the cart, and then uh, she decides, just like <laughs> too too much craziness, let's wait for the next cart. And then suddenly we see these nice-looking older lady uh, with her umbrella on her hand and going into, I mean, a lot of people come down and then a lot of people go in and she goes in, but suddenly she starts using her umbrella as a weapon just to push people around. And then once the doors are getting closed then she puts the umbrella on her back and then pushes everyone else back with her feet. And then finally she gets some space for herself not, not for anyone else. I mean, everybody is it's just like uh, crushed. But <laughs> then, finally, she arranges her clothes, her hair, her, her hat, and looks forward. And my mom starts waving. At that moment, we realize that it's Great and Eva, <laughs> the most delicate, Delicate, nice lady that i ever, I ever known. Very polite, very educated, you know, with a lot of etiquette and just going to our meetings and always, oh, hi, children, hi. So that's Aunt Eva. My kid. We were so astonished. I mean, you know, like being there and just enjoying the whole show and then realizing that it's my aunt. It's like, wow. We couldn't even, even believe that it was her So this morning, as we continue with our study of Luke, we will see that Jesus is challenging two groups of people that are pretending to be one way, but actually are another. Through a series of woes, he is rebuking them on what is required of them. In the same way, we'll see what is required from us and how we can respond and obey such calls. So let's open our, our Bible, Luke eleven thirty seven 37 to 54. It says, While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and reclined at table. At, at, at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, now, you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made you made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clear, clean for you. But what to you Pharisees? For you tithe mint and ruin every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. This you ought to have done without neglecting the others. What do you, Pharisees? For you love the best seed in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. What do you? For you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. One of the lawyers answered him. Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, What do you, lawyers, also? For you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. What do you? For you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you built their tombs. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. As he went away from there, the scribes and Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, uh, I pray that you would be with us, uh, touch our minds, touch our hearts, that we can uh, listen to your word, Father, and use me in spite, in spite of me, Father, just uh, speak your word to us and that we can respond accordingly. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's very sad to hear cases of people, of Christian men and women, leaders of the faith, falling into temptation, living two lives. Some of them come back to the Lord in repentance, experiencing a heart transformation. In other cases, they just continue going farther away from the Lord. It could be easy to condemn them, but if we see a little deeper, we see that even though they knew the truth, their eyes and hearts were blinded by the things of this world. As we read last week, Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are good, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are bad, your body also is full of darkness. Or as Pastor John put it, clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. Similarly, we must recognize that we are vulnerable to the things this world is offering. We could get blinded by our fleshly desires and go astray from what our Lord is calling us to do. Continuing with our series of Luke, last week Pastor John took us through the first, well, to the middle part of chapter 11. And said that we can't maintain a neutral position in relationship or in relation to Jesus. Whether you are for him or you're against him. But you cannot be in the middle. He pointed out that in Jesus, the kingdom has come, that Jesus is stronger and greater. Today, we see that the opposing kingdom has blinded many, as we mentioned before. And as we see in our text, the the two groups are the Pharisees and the experts of the law. There are so many names for these experts of the law or lawyers, as we saw in our text, or a yeah, experts of the law, lawyers, or scribes. Scribes is the other word. So uh, they, if, if you see one of those words, that's referring to them. So now let's let's see who are the Pharisees and who are the sp- experts of the law. Pharisees. Well, actually, well, let's start with the experts of the law. Experts of the law are like scholars that are studying the 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 Old Testament. Obviously, they don't have the New Testament yet, but uh, they're studying the Old Testament, and they are interpreting. And they're teaching it. But the way they interpret it, they're adding little, little things here and there. As the steps of on, on the Lord's Day. I mean, it, you have to count the steps. And, and they add it to it. And they add other many other things for Sundays. and Well, not for Sundays, but the Sabbath. And um, so many other things. So those are the scribes or the, the lawyers. Now, the Pharisees are kind of like the, the policemen. They are asking people to follow those rules. And you know what? They're, the things that the scribes had added to the, to the law of God, the Pharisees are making sure everybody makes them as if it was God's own word. So that's, that's kind of bad. And, and, and that's what uh, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law would do. So right after Jesus is invited by a Pharisee, He notices that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. So he could have easily washed himself and gone. But this is another little detail that the the scribes are adding to the word. And the Pharisees are like, everybody needs to wash themselves before you eat. This is not the cleansing comes before a worship to God, but not before eating So, Jesus could have, like, well, washed his hands and gone into into dinner with them. But no, he's like, I'll show you guys. This is not good. This is something you're adding to the word of God. So, verse 39 says, Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish, but the inside you are full of greed and wickedness. Jesus rebukes, rebukes him because he knows that all the rituals that Pharisees have added to the law are useless when pretending to glorify God. The cup is clean, but the inside is awfully dirty. In other words, the religious acts seem to be pious, but their hearts are full of greed and wickedness. Jesus says, but give what is inside This is another version, NIV, it's a little, I, I like this version better. It says, but give what is inside to the poor and everything will be clean for you. Jesus invites them to practice the true religion. Jesus is saying that there must be a right inner attitude when one gives to the poor. And when the inside is right, all is clean. Jesus being rich became poor. And gave his life for the poor. Who could not buy anything in his kingdom. But through his resurrection. Those who believe in him. Now are children of God. With Christ coerce. And in him. We are clean. So our main point this morning is. Because God has loved us. And purified us. Through Jesus' blood. We can truly glorify him. So because God has loved us and purify us through Jesus' blood, we can truly glorify him. So how are we going to glorify God? Well, we glorify when when we do justice, when we humble ourselves, and when we proclaim the truth. So when we do justice, we glorify God. When we humble ourselves, and when we proclaim the truth, that's when we glorify our God. So... When we do justice, even from the beginning, as we saw in verse 42, Jesus implies that the Pharisees are not are not giving to the poor. Then we see in verse 43, which which says, "Woe to you Pharisees? Because you give God a tenth of your men, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect neglect justice and the love of God. They are at least doing what is required of them in the law of Moses by giving a tenth of what they have. But it's their attitude we're not sure about. One commentator says that in a sense these things are a burden just giving the tenth. It's a burden for the Pharisees. But it is a great opportunity to show off how good they are by giving in public. Oh, look. I'm giving my 10th right here. There you go, Lord. Enjoy. However, they are neglecting the very love of God by ignoring what the law of Moses said. What does it say? It says, love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Over and over also, the law spoke of caring for the foreigner, for the widow and the orphan. And as Jesus makes it clear, loving your neighbor as yourself. So the Pharisees do not truly love God because it has not translated into loving those in need. Now, it is true that these woes were directed to the Pharisees and experts of the law. And you may say, well, Alex, thank you for the information. That's it. This is not for me. In a way, we could say this is only for the leadership of the church, the elders, deacons, anyone who is serving as a teacher, as an elder, as part of a ministry or committee. And yes, those who teach will be judged with greater strictness, as it says, it says in James 3.1. But as we read in our Old Testament, as we read it in Micah 6, the Lord has a case against Israel. He's shown wonderful acts of salvation and mercy. And his people in return are not doing what God is asking them to do. They are making dishonest earnings by modifying the scales. They are liars and violent people. Their tongues speak deceitfully. They are not acting justly. Not not loving mercy. Unless walking humbly with God as we sang in Micah 6, 8. They go after false gods following evil practices. Friends, brothers and sisters, how much are we doing justice? Do we seek to defend or help the most vulnerable? How much are we loving mercy? Are we walking humbly with our God? If I answer honestly, I would say, not enough, not enough. And if that is also your response, then this is a call for you too. Are we tithing? Are we giving to the needy and poor? What is our attitude? Are we joyful givers? If you are in need and you feel ashamed of asking, please don't. Just reach out to one of the deacons and be sure that they'll be more than happy to help. Are we investing in the kingdom kingdom of God? The Lord Jesus said in the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew six, twenty and twenty one, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your heart where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As you know, we have a deacon's fund, and it was reported on, on our congregational meeting, the money used to help those in need. If you're, if you're not already giving to this fund, I encourage you to give generously. So the call here is to seek justice. Give generously to the poor. Being more interested in the everlasting things than in the temporary things. That is how we glorify God, by doing justice. Now, second point, humbling ourselves. That's how also we glorify God. In verse 43, it says, "What to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Here the Pharisees are looking for the VIP seats so people can see that they are worthy, that they must be honored and appreciated. And the greetings that, that I refer to here, according to some commentaries, it says that were, th- those were elaborate salutations that showed the recipients to be very important people. Oh, master of the law, you wonderful greatness. Oh, and just imagine, there's a marketplace. All people from all over the, that world is coming to do business, to talk about politics and everything. And then suddenly there's a loud voice greeting someone else. It's calling the attention, right? And the Pharisees are like, oh, here I go. People, did you hear that? Well, excuse me, are you talking to me? Can you repeat that again? Oh, master, wonderful, Lord, you are just the best. That's what they're expecting. All, all this accepta- acceptance, those, these, those salutations. Such greetings were at the sight of everyone. So they are seeking constantly this, this acceptance and recognitions. So thinking that they deserve it for being so knowledgeable and pure. But on the contrary, the Lord accuses them of being arrogant, arrogant and self-centered. Honoring themselves instead of honoring God. Yes, they know so much. But if they don't apply that knowledge, then it becomes rubbish. How many times do we seek that acceptance or approval? Do we even act differently so people will respect us more? And I tell you, this being sometimes guilty of it, I mean, I've been guilty of it. Brothers and sisters, if our identity is in Christ, we do not need to seek any other acceptance or approval. To be honest with you, it feels good to be recognized and treated with respect and honor, but the danger in that is that we can easily change our ways to keep receiving such treatment. Our Lord Jesus shows us by word and by example that he did not come to seek recognition or acceptance. He did not come to be served, but to serve And give his life as ransom for many. James 4.10, it says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and you will be exalted. Christ humbled himself, and right now he's exalted. Do you want to humble yourself now or later? If you don't humble yourself now, yes, you will be exalted but would you rather to be exalted when the Lord comes? So that's one of the choices we can make. Can we die more to ourselves to give him the glory? One of the lawyers or experts in the law says, teacher, in saying this, these things you insult us also. We experts of the law, you're insulting us, Lord, come on. He's so blinded by his arrogance that he does not even think that he is wrong or that even, even worse than the Pharisees, as we'll see. So Jesus responds, What do you, for you blind, I'm sorry, What do you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers kill? So you are witnesses and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them and you build their tombs. The arrogance and pride of the teachers of the law have gone to their heads and made them so blind that they aren't able to recognize their sin or their forefathers' sin. They are knowledgeable of the word of God, but have been rejecting the prophets alongside their forefathers. Jesus is saying that they are as guilty as their forefathers because they were complicit in the killing of the prophets. uh, That God had sent. They saw themselves as honoring those great men of God. But building tombs could not hide their complicity with prior generations who had killed them. And Jesus keeps saying, therefore also the wisdom of God says, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. And he's speaking in in the future because he knows that they have killed, I mean, actually, they have rejected John the Baptist. Yeah, they heard John the Baptist saying, repent, come, get baptized. But they, they didn't care for him. And also he's pointing to He's on death. He's going to be treasoned and he's going to be put to death by these Pharisees and these prophets of, of the law. Pride can easily blind us even to the point of doing something so vile as the scribes and Pharisees did. Murdering not only the prophets but the Son of God. That is one of the strong effects of pride. It puffs up our ego so much that it blinds us from seeing the truth. It can lead us step by step, little by little, to the point of even destroying relationships and prevents us from seeing the evil that is especially in our own hearts. What Jesus is asking here is to humble ourselves and honor our Lord, to live lives of integrity, to give up our blindfolds and see who Jesus truly is, what he has done for us, and how We can depend on him to seek humility. King David, after being confronted by the prophet Nathan. Remember, King David is acting like he hasn't done anything wrong. He's like, oh, I'm so good. (laughs) That's why I'm a king. But you know what? He, besides uh, taking another woman for himself, he sent to kill her husband. So, it's awful. And later on he's like, nothing happened. Let's party, everybody. But then uh Prophet Nathan comes and, and points at him and tells him, In repentance, if, if you want if you have some time later on, you can read Psalm 51. But verses 16 and 17, it says, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. And it's talking about the sacrifices that they did, like killing bulls. And I mean, it's a lot of money invested in those sacrifices. But he's like, you will not be satisfied of those sacrifices. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken, uncontrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise We could give our tidings and offerings, but if we do not humble ourselves, if we do not repent from our prideful sins and recognize that we are nothing and can't do anything without him, it is worthless. And now speaking to the Pharisees and teachers of the law, I know it is not apples to apples, but to the leaders of our church, elders, pastors, deacons, teachers, ministry directors, Let us ask our Lord for humility and wisdom that we might faithfully teach his word. Everyone else, this is for everyone else, seeking the same wisdom and humility to receive God's word, understand it and put it into practice and that we hold each other accountable and spur one another in our faith. So first we saw how we glorify God when we do justice and then when we humble ourselves. And now we glorify God when we proclaim the truth. So going back to the Pharisees in verse 44, it says, Woe to you because you are like unmarked graves which men walk over without knowing it. So anyone who stepped on a grave became ceremonially unclean according to Numbers 19.16. So the graves were whitewashed. That's why they they whitewashed them. Uh, So they they could be easily visible, especially at night. This charge is very serious because Jesus is telling them that people walk over them without even realizing that their lives are about to end in the hands of the enemy who is pleased with falsehood and hypocritical religion. They are bringing people down without them even realizing it. The Pharisees are apparently showing them how to really, how to really please God and get closer to him. But in reality, they are displeasing God and pushing them away from him, even to hell. And I think even sometimes we are like that. I mean, you have to be like me. In order to be safe. Or you have to believe in what I believe. You have to wear your mask. But if not you're, not, you're not a good Christian. Or no, leave your mask alone. Because, you know, I don't use a mask. So you better be a good Christian and don't wear your mask. I mean, we put so many different things, even in the political state. But here, the call is for us to go to the truth. Go to the truth. Woe to you lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. These men were not concerned with ministering to the needs of the people of the congregation, but rather they invented new forms of legislation, passing them off as the law of God. R.C. Sproul, uh, a theologian, Uh, He passed away uh, just a few years ago, but uh, he mentions this is still happening in the Christian church today. We can become burdened with rules and regulations that have nothing to do with the word of God. That type of legalism comes under the indictment of Christ because it doesn't bear witnesses that the true law of God is a light to our feet the true law of God drives us to Jesus, but the laws of men crush the spirit and retard, retard the kingdom of God. So the final woe, woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the no- the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourself, yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. We have a saying in Spanish that goes like this. Ni pichas, ni cachas, ni dejas batear. So, pichar means to pitch. Cachar means to catch. And batear means to bat. This expression means that somebody gets in the way of all people around him or her, not allowing them to do anything. Literally, that person doesn't pitch, doesn't catch, and doesn't let others bat. Selfish one, right? That is exactly What the lawyers are doing. They have been given the knowledge of scripture. But instead of teaching. And even taking advantage of it for themselves. They are acting as stumbling rocks. Making people fall away from the truth. Brothers and sisters. If we are teaching the word of God. We are responsible to teach in the name of Christ. Leading them to the only light. That can bring eternal life. And can show us the kingdom of heaven. We all are called to preach the truth of the gospel. Nothing else but salvation by faith alone. Through the one that is the way, the truth, and the life. Christ. That is what we have found in the Bible. A good example of of faith. A humble man. Billy Graham. Well-known evangelist who understood God's love. Even though he was invited to meet with the presidents with presidents and world leaders, giving him re- recognition, he was always humble, giving God the glory in his life. And we know he is not perfect and he's sinned, but he was giving, even using, having the chance to say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm way too much for you people. He was always humble. And giving glory to God, preaching the gospel. So he was recognizing that without without God he was nothing, encouraging people to put their faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Thanks to one of the Billy Graham's crusades, my dad came to Christ, and later on he became a pastor leading many to Christ, including his parents and siblings and his own family. And I'm one of them. We are called to be experts in the law. We have the whole word of God, so we can respond to what he is requesting, justice, humility, and proclaiming the truth. But it would be impossible. And this is, if you didn't hear anything else, maybe you heard uh, Aunt Eva but uh, if you didn't hear anything else but uh, ever, but this is very important. Listen, we cannot do justice. We cannot be humble, and we cannot proclaim the truth if we do not first know his love. Recognizing the state in which we were filthy and far away from him, but by his mercy and grace, he has brought us closer to him, By the sacrifice of his own son. son, Who came in humility. Lived perfectly fulfilling the law. Died and rose. Now seated with the father. Interceding for us. Preparing a place for us. And presenting all of our prayers and good works. Acceptable to the father. The more we understand his love for us. The more prompt our response will be to his call. If you have listened to these words and have not had the chance to know about God and his love for you, I encourage you to give your heart to him and receive Christ in your heart. If you don't know how to, I encourage you to look for elders here or pastors who, can, who would be able to help you. So you can be able to respond to such love and his transforming grace. So let me finish by reading 1 Peter two nine to eleven it says to those who have believed in the cornerstone, in Christ the rock rock, listen to this, listen to this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners, sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the days of visitation. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and recognizing that we are not humble and that we not seek justice, Father. Father, please help us, help us seek you and understand more of your love, what you have done uh, for us through Christ, and that we can, can glorify you through these acts of mercy, Father. Please speak to our hearts and that we can be differently from the Pharisees or scribes, that we won't have two lives, but one life in Christ. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.